I thought it was really cool how we got together at rehearsal. We stayed in Las Colinas, which is like a suburb of Dallas. And there's not much to do there except to be there. And um, we were all there in the same hotel, kind of, it was a little bit like band camp. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was a little band campy. Because all we did was go to rehearsal and come back to the hotel and practice, which, you know, for me personally, I haven't done since I was about the age you go to band camp. Yeah, first time it resolved to C, the second time it resolved to C sharp. Trumpet player Jay Jennings has been a member of Snarky Puppy, dating back to the ensemble's days at University of North Texas. Like many in the band, he describes the writing and rehearsing process behind their new album, Empire Central, as unlike anything in Snarky Puppy's history. With the two-year break of COVID and getting back into the swing of things, it was like very intense for me. Once we started rehearsals, I hadn't felt that way since college, I think. Um, and we've recorded records since then, but I haven't felt this intensity of, I, I think the songs are harder. I think the songs are, well, not harder, but just more developed, more intense, harder to learn and harder to memorize. In this installment of Osiris Media and Ground Up Music's Snarky Puppy, Transmissions from Deep Ellum, the band members give us an unprecedented look inside the creation and refinement of the songs that came to make up Empire Central. Stick around. Snarky Puppy are no strangers to recording before live audiences. Between 2010 and 2014, the collective laid down three albums with fans in the room. But the sessions for Empire Central in March 2022 were different. For one, like musicians around the world, Snarky Puppy's members were shaking off the rust after COVID sidelined them from stages where they make the magic happen. With the 2021 Grammy for Best Contemporary Instrumental Album, expectations for the group had never been higher. Moreover, band leader Michael League had ushered Snarky Puppy's other members into the writing process like never before, encouraging them to pen tunes paying tribute to Dallas, the Texan metropolis where the group got its start and where it would ultimately lay down Empire Central at Deep Ellum Art Company. And above all, Emotions were strong as Snarky Puppy reunited for the first time in person since the pandemic. Percussionist Nate Worth. Getting in that room, in the rehearsal room, and seeing everyone come in one by one that I hadn't seen, some of these guys I haven't seen in two and a half years. And so it's just, you know, we're family and we're brothers. Trumpet player Jay Jennings. A lot has happened since any of us have been really together in the world. It's, you know, everybody I think is a different human than they were two years ago or so, however long that happened. It was, everybody has changed in the past couple years and in drastic ways. So us being all together again was just kind of a feeling of unity in itself. Jennings, like several of his bandmates, stayed at a hotel in Dallas suburb Las Colinas 
as the group convened to discuss and rehearse the new material ahead of the Deep Ellum recording sessions. But while many of Snarky Puppy's members have established residence elsewhere in the world, some, like guitarist Mark Letiri, remain local in the area. Well, it's close enough to where I can go home every night after the sessions, but it's far enough away to where I think maybe I should have just stayed in a hotel, because sometimes that drive can be a bit of a drag uh, every day. But, you know, I'm like commuting. I'm a commuter. I'm a commuting musician. Regardless of where they made their coffee before leaving for the day, once Snarky Puppy entered the rehearsal space, they had the same mission. To execute Michael League's ambitious vision for the group's new record, Michael League. Normally the way that a record like this works is, you know, I ask people to send in songs if they have them. I normally write about half of the songs on the record, and then the other half consists of songs from other people in the band. And normally we choose 10 out of 20 options and work those options hard and leave the other 10 kind of on the cutting room floor and, and commit to 10 and do it. Um, in this case, I gave a kind of slightly clearer direction to the band about what I was wanting for the album in terms of like kind of style and feeling. You know, I asked everybody to really be thinking about Texas and Dallas and, and, and what it means to them and kind of drawing upon that as their inspiration for their compositions. And as a result, pretty much every single thing that came in seemed like a great candidate. So rather than cutting half of the material and just focusing on, on the other half, we just embraced all of it and rehearsed everything and recorded everything, which was definitely demanding for the band. But, you know, everybody was into it. And I think the fact that I only wrote four of the 16 songs on the record made everybody even more willing to work harder to get the songs together because they all had their songs in the pot too, right? So, um, and that kind of all goes into like a, a general growing theme of collectivization that we're going for in the band right now on every level um, and that we're working towards. Demanding rehearsals aren't new for the members of Snarky Puppy, but in part because of League's marching orders, practices for Empire Central were as daunting as any in the band's history. Trumpet player Mike Maz Maher, who has been with Snarky Puppy since their inception. It was, as usual, it was, it was really stressful and, and it took a lot of work and everybody was really tired and stressed out. Um, I think even more so this time because we have now 16 songs. So that's, a, that's more than we've ever had, I think. It was a real condensed process and people were coming in with songs while we were rehearsing. So we were learning songs, having eight to 10 hour rehearsals during the day, and then a song would come in like in the middle of that day, and then once you're done with that eight to 10 hour rehearsal day, then you go learn the songs for tomorrow. <laughs> That's insane, really. You know, it's not really practical, but this band can do that, and I think it's part of what makes this band special is the willingness to do that, because there's an energy that happens when you do stuff like that, you know? Um, and and it's, I hate it, frankly, but I recognize that there's an energy that happens when you operate in that way. I sent a text to the band, you know, a few weeks before rehearsals saying like, I want you to ask yourself a couple questions that maybe you haven't asked yourself before you've composed for Snarky Puppy. Bassist and band leader, Michael League. One of the questions is, 
how can you connect your song to Dallas? Another question was, what combinations of instruments that we have have we never used together in a song? Like pairing things together for a melody that normally you don't hear, like bass and harmon muted trumpet, or bass and violin, which happens in Marcello's song, or things like this. Um, and another question that I asked everybody is, what do you feel is missing from our live set that it would be great to have? Like, try to imagine yourself on stage playing something that you've always wanted to play in this band and then just write that for the band, you know? After nearly two decades playing together, Snarky Puppy's members now understand the band and each other more than ever. So for Empire Central, collaboration in both writing and arrangement was also key. Guitarist Bob Lanzetti, another member of Snarky Puppy's original UNT cohort. The cool thing about nowadays with this band is that there's a lot of people uh, doing collaborative writing, as, whereas in the past it was pretty much just one composer for each song. You know, everyone has their individual writing personalities, and then when you put two of those personalities together, it's, you can kind of see both of them in the song, you know? So it's, it's kind of interesting to hear that and to see that. Um, and it's, it's a fun process to, to do more co-writing, which we've never done. Uh, Cleroy, baseline. It's just execution. Snarky Puppy's background in Texas and the artists who served as the group's touchstones informed many Empire Central compositions. Take Jennings, whose tune Cleroy took inspiration from late trumpet greats Roy Hargrove and Clifford Brown. Told us that we were going to be doing this album, I don't know, maybe a year ago or so. And he kind of sent out an email saying, like, you know, go ahead and start the writing process. And I actually, I, I, I wrote this song a long time ago. Like, when that email came out, I was, it was right in the middle of the pandemic and nobody was doing anything. So I had lots of time to just kind of sit around and, and write. And during that time, I wrote this song and I wrote a bunch of other songs for myself. But I, I, I had Snarky Puppy in mind when I started the song. And then when the song came to fruition, I guess I just kind of naturally or organically leaned into uh, the Dallas vibe, like via Roy Hargrove, uh, RH Factor. Um, it it kind of has that kind of vibe to it. The members of Snarky Puppy create and share music they're workshopping via Logic Pro, Apple's popular music creation software. With this band in mind, you know, I. It's so cool how we do it with, with the Logic demos because you bring it into a situation, a room like this with all these instruments and anything can happen, literally. Um, it's, it's amazing. You have musicians who are capable of, of you know, hearing something one or two times and being like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll play that or no, I'll play that. You, know, you can toss it around to different sections and it's just like a, a natural way to compose music and arrange music. It's, it's awesome. You have all this at your disposal. Logic is great, but when you come into a room like this, it just really opens the door for you. And to have a band like Snarky Puppy at your disposal is a very rare opportunity for one. Uh, so I wanted to take advantage of it. And uh, I'm stoked that we're playing my song. It's amazing. <laughs> Maybe Harmon on the soli? Yeah. The open trumpet feels weird to me. 
Yeah, hi, C sharp. Percussionist Nate Worth, meanwhile, chose to honor Snarky Puppy's University of North Texas origins and pivotal band mentor Bernard Wright with Mean Green, which takes its title from the name of UNT's athletics teams. Do you have any ideas on how you want to start it? I kind of like it with starting with Rhodes and then drums enter. Great. Oh, so yeah, let's do that exactly like the demo then, right? Yeah. So it'll be Rhodes, drums, bass, and then we'll bring in the horns, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, I did. I wrote a song for Snarky Puppy, and I was actually surprised that Mike wanted to record it and super honored for that. And my process was, you know, Mike hit us all up and said, you know, let's make this record about Texas. And so the first thing I thought of was Bernard Wright and the years at the University of North Texas when I like met Mike League, we met in basketball pep band together. It was a hilarious way to meet. And, you know, he was like, you play percussion? I didn't know there were percussionists at this school. <laughs> it was a jazz school, you know, just a bunch of drummers. And, uh, you know, I've, we've been playing music for over 17 years, 18 years now. And so I just wanted us to play something super funky. And so there you have it. You know, I sat in the wee hours of the night, is when I like to write, and uh, came up with it. And when the band, when I heard the band playing, you know, my melodies and the rhythms and stuff, it's just so wild to hear this group of musicians, you know, interpret your music because there's such care and importance in the approach and like the determination to just get it right. But you know, my tune went from funky to stanky to moldy, rotten, the funkiest smell ever, <laughs> for real. So I'm excited for you all to hear it. That shit is fucking stinky, bro. That's just foul. It is foul. foul. It's foul, foul and odorous. Foul, bro. Pungent. Thank you, guys. Yo, and thank you for playing that shit. Yo, the, I really appreciate that beat y'all. section feels a little too nice. Nate, it's fucking badass, man. Love it. Above all, as members of Snarky Puppy embarked on writing for Empire Central, they knew the world-class band they'd have at their disposal to realize their compositions. Multi-instrumentalist Chris Bullock penned East Bay for the album. Writing for Snarky, there are a lot of voices and a lot of personalities that are very distinct. It's like a, it's like a box of crayons. Like Snarky Puppy's like the 64 color, like the mega box with all the various shades and tones. And I, as a writer, that's fun to like ha- just to know you, you have some um, options and choices. You want that higher also? Is that where it was written? I think so. That's, I mean, that's, that's high. That seems cool. That's, all right. that's exactly where I was and you want it higher. Okay, so higher so, then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just but, but specifically, but I, didn't, were, I didn't hear the... Well, the last rehearsal I probably wasn't at, so maybe it wasn't on there. Um, Justin, it wasn't necessarily, I didn't hear guitar tone on that, so that's why, so yeah, maybe go up with Justin. Okay, cool. Um, last thing, there's a couple horn things that I can talk to just the horns over here. The, this is for everybody. Don't slow down at the end. 
all the way. No slowdown. Because I feel like every song on this record might be slowed down if we can make this one different and just keep that. It'll sure. help us get that accurately. Yeah, so it's three, four. Yeah. Got you, got you. Yeah. So my tune kind of started as like a, a nugget of a, I heard a groove. And then I took a drum sample that I had and chopped it up and rearranged it to build like this like mean sounding groove that I know that this band would play really well. And then from that groove, I kind of built things up. The way I, I like to write, I kind of create these like little musical machines that have a lot of inter interlocking parts. And this tune is like very like, it, it's a good example of like a musical machine because there's like a thing I call the call that you'll hear in the saxophone and the guitars. And then the way that locks in with this line that's in the uh, Fender Rhodes. And then the way it lines up with the groove pattern and the kick drum and things like that. So I kind of like build, built this organic environment that feels like a machine that has to all parts have to be working for it to function properly. And it took us a couple days to figure out that machine. Hey, we're doing, speaking of church, Trinity next. Empire Central's epic gospel-tinged closer, Trinity, is also its sonic and thematic centerpiece and comes courtesy of guitarist Mark Letiri. Uh, I put it all together and it, to me it really kind of sums up all of the cool musical experiences I've had in Texas, playing like Texas rock and Texas country and Texas blues and gospel music, right? Um, so, oh, there's a short drum. So I put them all together into one song and I titled it after a river that runs through the whole Metroplex area. It's called the Trinity River. And it connects Fort Worth, where I live, connects Dallas, where a lot of these other cats live. It connects Denton, where a lot of the guys went to college. So I thought Trinity was a suitable name for it. Well, the process of writing the song, I was actually just thinking about that the other day. It started with some of the guitar parts that I think were just cataloged in voice memos on my iPhone. I think a lot of it came from sitting on the couch at one point over the last year or two or something. And I always was like, I gotta do something with that, I gotta do something with that. And then finally started to do something with it. And, and the song kind of wrote itself fairly quickly. I mean, I think I kind of went back and forth with some different melody ideas, but once I sort of was able to focus on like a thread of like this kind of dark, but cool blues rock thing, it sort of started to write itself, you know. And then the end, <laughs> it just needed a lift. I mean, because you can't, you can't just be tough all the time, you know? <laughs> Maybe you can't, but uh, it needed a little element of kind of like a release or something, and, and I just started playing a chord melody on the guitar um, and then just transferred it to keyboards, wrote some little melody over it. Feels pretty seamless. Trinity immediately won over Latiri's bandmates, including Maz. I think for me, and maybe for the rest of the band, that first time we played it, it was like the release for us. It like gave us what it was supposed to do to us. You know, and then maybe every other time since then, it's kind of giving it to, I mean, that's the crazy thing about that gospel music is that it does that without fail. It's like, it has like a 100% hit rate at like <laughs> releasing, about getting that like release of energy that you need on a Sunday. You know what I mean? Personally, last night, Trinity could have been the record. I was like, I listened back to it. it. It had the magic. And actually, RLs could have, too. They both kind of had the magic. 
You know, in general, this band, when, when we play songs, we try to do something different, you know? I mean, if we're gonna play a funk tune, we're gonna try to compose or arrange it in such a way that it doesn't feel like something that any funk band could just play. You know, for me, that's kind of a thing that's always going on in my mind. It's like, okay, what about this? Yes, Snarky Puppy can play a lot of different things because the individual musicians are session musicians. Like, it's our job to be chameleons when we play with other artists. But when we're together as Snarky Puppy, for me, like, one of the most important things is, is to, to create something that not just any band can play. You know, to really do something that's specific to this band. Because Michael League envisioned Empire Central, as Snarky Puppy's musical tribute to the Lone Star State. It needed a Texas shuffle. Drummer Jason J.T. Thomas. Shuffles for me have always been so much fun to play. Not even so much because I love just playing a shuffle. It's about everything that's going on around it. That groove, especially when the bass player locks in and then you get everything that puts on top of it, that's just a freight chain of just, that's a party time. Like, you can't, it's almost like the swung version of, like, what people probably felt when disco finally came out. Just, how can you not dance and people just... If you can't dance, if you have no rhythm, you can find something with that. Shuffles, to me, do the same thing. It was like... Just does something to you. Instinctively, it makes you feel a certain kind of way. You could never offend me by saying you want to play a shovel. Uh, you, we can do that all night, and I'm totally comfortable with that. <laughs> it's like the whole, you know, oh, it's just the blues. I'm like, yeah, but it's the blues. And coming from Texas and the blues, even not just from Texas, blues, period. That's You kick a shuffle in any part of the world, that just does something to people. I don't know what it is about that beat. It's such a simple thing. Here's League, who penned the shuffle RLs for Empire Central. Playing a Texas shuffle like RLs, for me, is like not so different from playing a candombe or a chabi or something or something that comes from another country. It's like it's a very specific traditional style of music that many people in the band don't have as their native language. JT definitely does. Bobby Sparks definitely does. You know, Sean Martin definitely does, but, but, you know, Maz or me, you know, I mean, that's not our, our native tongue. So, you know, the difference is that because we're from, because we've spent so much time in Texas and I've played so many Texas shuffles, I know when it's sad. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know when it's not working, when it doesn't feel good, when it feels cheesy or corny or, or, or faked. And so I was, you know, worried that that would happen. Um, and to be honest with you, the first day we rehearsed it, it was the first song on the chopping block for me. The first song that I was like, no, this one's going into the trash can. But League's bandmates kept the faith. Mark Letiri. Oh man, Arles is a jam. I mean, it's great because it's a blues, and I'll use the sort of like the Steely Dan reference. They, they have referred to their music as blues with frills, right? think about it like that makes sense you know rl's is a blues is a shuffle but the changes are pretty advanced for, for certain in certain sections of the song yeah so the solo section that i'm playing over well soloing over 
Uh, the changes aren't blues, and it's still a shuffle, but it's sort of a broken up, kind of angular kind of thing that Larnell's playing, and which is really cool because I can kind of base some of my phrasing off of that. Um, but then the rest of the tune, I'm just playing Texas rhythm guitar with JT, and it's so fun to just play that, that you know. circle you know it's the stevie ray circle <laughs> so that's great i could sit in that all day long every time we play that chord the well what i call the chorus which whatever that it, it feels like a bridge but the f sharp to d to a the steely dan sus shit the first time in the last bar of the first half the d minor to e minor those are pushed the, the la, in the in the last bar of the second half let's put them on the downbeats okay even when working with basic styles, Snarky Puppy puts a unique spin on them. It's the band's way. Here's JT. You know, with Mike, especially with songs he writes, man, it can go extreme. Like, RLs. When it got to the shuffle part, and then it got to the solo break that Larnell plays with all those hits, when it comes out of that, it comes into this section where I play this groove on the Bixner and the Hat and he wanted something that was not a shuffle. I still have no idea why I played what I played, because it happened in rehearsal. It was like, you kind of come out of a section. Then it's me. That has nothing to do with a shuffle or the blues. When it got to that part, people asked me, like, man, how did you come up with that? I'm like, Mike, I, I just blame everything on him. It's like, <laughs> he comes up with this, like, where did that section come from in this song? How did you get your brain to do that for eight bars and then right back into this dog? It's like, this dude just writes. Brain is everywhere. The percussion section also wanted in on the action. Nate Worth. Marcel has a low drum, and so, you know, we're playing and we're just doing the shuffle thing. And so, of course, after, you know, day five of rehearsal, we start taking liberties, you know, like just mainly having fun. And so me and Keita, we're just doing these crazy sort of like 30-second note uh, little fills on top of this one section. And then when we listened to the rehearsal tapes back, it was like, okay, we just sound like a thunder, like a rumble underneath. And so it may be dirtying it up a little bit. And so then Keita came up with a very specific thing to play, and it only happens twice in the song. So Keita came up with a very specific thing, and they played it right off the bat. JT joins in, and it's magic, you know? And, and it, it kind of, it, it does exactly that. It just slaps you upside the head, and it's like, well, what, what am I about to hear? And then a powerful, powerful shuffle. <laughs> but that's what we do. We fuse different styles that are, are nowhere near each other. You know, that, that influence is coming from maybe, maybe Keita was hearing something from Brazil or maybe he was hearing something from Africa or who knows, you know, but it wasn't Texas. It wasn't a Texas shuffle, but it works. Being with these three guys, man, even the percussion players and hearing all that stuff they play, like the stuff that they're playing on the shuffle, if you ever go to a blues club, one, you're never even gonna see a percussion player. So the fact that they're able to even play stuff over that groove, it gives me so many ideas that I never probably would do if I was just on a regular gig somewhere playing a shuffle. I would never come up with nothing like that. But because Mike gives us that space 
and gives us, you know, the, the room to just, man, just find something. We'll experiment until it works. So we kept rehearsing it every day, and for me, it started sounding less and less bad every day. And then it wasn't until really we started recording it, I think that it started to feel good to me. And now it's a song that I look forward to in the set. You know, if I would have said, hey, it's a Texas Shuffle, everybody play it exactly like a Texas Shuffle, do all the normal stuff, don't put your own thing on it, just be a Texas blues band, yeah, it would have come together very, very quickly and it would sound very normal. You know, but again, that's not really what we're going for in this group. So it's a long, sometimes arduous and tedious and painful process to get from crappy demo to like solid recorded result. Yeah, I, you know, me and Shuffles is like me playing funk grooves. It's, I can do that all night long, never have a problem with it. The, the only problem I have with RLs on this record is that we stop. That's a freight train. Once that gets rolling, you don't try to stop that. You just get out of the way. Just let it go. So, yeah, it's so much fun. I'm so glad we got to do a shuffle on a Starkey Puppy record. Ah, so awesome. I think the core identity of Starkey Puppy is about songwriting first and then um, improvising on top of that songwriting. We've always made the playing the song the way it was intended to be a really important part of the band. One, two, one, two, three, four. Chris McQueen plays guitar in Snarky Puppy and also translates the group's playing into sheet music. The tendency amongst jazz groups, at least where we were coming from, you should never hamper the musician from being as free as they want to be, um, which is great. But when we started playing music together, we realized that we kind of wanted to be particular. So a lot of like, so, I mean, we even make fun of ourselves a lot for it. But like, when we write these songs and and practice them and record them, we are extremely particular about like how every single melody is, how like every little turn is, and that's just like our baseline because we respect the song first and foremost and we want it to come across as a song for the listener. Um, and I think that helps it to be a little bit more accessible than maybe like other jazz music is. Um, but that being said, it's really important that we, like once we've established what the song is and we know how to play it, then it really doesn't become Snarky Puppy until we all put our own um, sort of personality into it and it becomes something bigger than the original song. So that's been kind of like our, our mantra forever is like, don't play anything that's not part of the song unless it's better than what's written. That's the rule. This push-pull between composition and improvisation, between premeditation and spontaneity, defines Snarky Puppy and what makes their music so special. Snarky Puppy's members may arrive at practices with meticulously constructed tunes, but those songs remain works in progress, subject to the artistic impulses of the endlessly creative collective of musicians interpreting them. But for that to work, each member needs to be intimately familiar with every song's inner workings from the jump. Trumpet and keyboard player, Justin Stanton. Over the years, we've, we've done things that have helped the process, helped the learning process. I mean, Guys send out demos that are usually done in Logic. 
We're encouraged to learn all the parts, you know, learn the bass, learn the melodies, learn the comping patterns, learn all the elements of the composition, and then, um, you know, then we orchestrate later when we're in, in as a group because anything can change and things will feel differently. The helpful thing about Logic demos is that you're able to analyze and isolate parts. So yes, we don't use charts, but I'm not gonna lie, do cheat. I'm gonna like pull up the MIDI information every once in a while and be like, because mm. you know, some people are visual learners, some people are oral learners, and uh, in this band, I think you have to kind of do both to a, a pretty high degree. Did you catch that? Rewind the tape. Yes, we don't use charts. Snarky Puppy labors over its complex tunes, and McQueen ultimately translates them to the page. But the group famously foregoes sheet music. Here's McQueen. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't have charts. We never have. No, we all made that decision together because we, like, this band started, like, like in a weird way, it kind of had the mantra of, like, a garage band, even though we were playing jazzy, like, Pat Metheny, Wayne Krantz stuff. But it was like, we didn't like the feeling that you get when you see a band playing on stage and they're reading off music stands. It just didn't feel right. Like, we wanted to be a band, like Nirvana or something. Nirvana of jazz. <laughs> I guess. Another part about memorizing music is that if you start, uh, and I, I don't think I'm alone in this, I think this is common, like if you start off by looking at the music and then trying to memorize it from there, it's actually harder to get away from the music ever. So it's actually easier if you just d never do it in the first place. Like you learn it on your instrument by ear. So the way that we do it in this band now is that we make demos of every song and we send them out to everyone and um, we have even gotten to now where we send the Logic file, which Logic is the program where we use to record our demos. I think it's a really good mental, mental uh, challenge. Like it's like you know, our version of doing crossword puzzles to keep your brain stimulated, especially after it being a long time since we've done this. It's definitely felt like I'm kind of like making some more neural connections this last week than I have had to for a long time. We don't have to run this again. I think this is gonna be fine. Just, okay, never mind. Let's run it again. Even for Snarky Puppy's world-class talents, that mental exercise can be tough, particularly on the tight, demanding timelines that were posed by the Empire Central process. Bob Lanzetti. Yeah, learning all this material and committing it to memory without charts is definitely difficult. Comes with a fair amount of anxiety and stress. I remember when uh, we first got all of the logic files, looking at the list and just being like, how are we gonna do this? How am I gonna do this? <laughs> uh, but that happens every time. And this time I felt like, this time I'm not gonna be able to do it. <laughs> you know, so, but then when you start getting into it and you start chipping away and it starts to come together, you kind of realize that you can do it. So, but it's, it's, it's hard. But the good thing about it is that, you know, having the music, there's one step extra between you and actually being able to be emotive, you know. So taking that away from it, I think everyone learns it better and internalizes it better and then is able to really play with it more. So I think it's a good thing to do. Drummer Larnell Lewis. Not having charts in this band, I think, is a superpower for this band. You know, the bandwidth would be taken up by trying to focus on charts. Again, top-tier players that are here, but for what we're creating organically in the moment, 
it's so important for us to be invested in the music and we get to the fun part a lot sooner. The difference for me really personally, it's not harder. I would just say it's more about understanding where everyone is at and just keeping everyone together. Jameson, a penny for your thoughts. Lewis's companion in the drum section and the most recent addition to Snarky Puppy's lineup is Jameson Ross. I think it's interesting when people say that Snarky Puppy doesn't use sheet music because, uh, yeah, we don't. <laughs> There's no sheet music in sight, right? But I think it's very important for people to understand that it's not that everyone can't read music. It's because we're still communicating with all of the characteristics of music. Like everybody's still talking about eighth notes. We're still talking about quarter notes. We're still talking about E and uh, and, and, and harmony, G7, B flat seven. We're still talking the musical language. So the fact that we're not using sheet music to learn this music, is actually voting in our favor because we learn it faster. If we were reading, the vibe would be completely off. Trust me. Like, and I keep notes on my computer every night I have my computer here, but my notes are, are, are what I call reminders about what I'm supposed to be playing. It's not the music. It's about, okay, I need to switch my hi-hats on this song. Okay, you know what, this song, remember, don't go to the ride symbol too early. I'm basically organizing my thoughts in my brain so that I can make sure I execute at a high level. The learning curve though, the time you put in for all of my young musicians out there learning how to read music prepares you to not read it. If, if the music was written down on a paper, we would be confined to knowing what the notes say versus what it feels like to us. We come in, if a new tune comes in, we could play the new tune and 10 minutes later, the tune changes. Why? Because the tune starts to resonate in the room a certain way. And if you're reading music, you feel like black and white ink is absolute, you know? But this is not classical music. We do not, black and white ink is not our God. <laughs> That's not what we need, you know? We want the room to agree. If the whole room agrees, we win. That's the whole point. If the whole room is on the same plane, same spirit, same energy, we win, period. That's actually my only note. I mean, there's a lot of little things that we could change, but I feel like at this point, we're kind of hitting, it's kind of feeling spiritual and, and emotive, and I don't want to fuck with that. Snarky Puppy's signature musical approach has enabled them to strike the perfect balance between composition and improvisation. Chris McQueen. It doesn't really become a Snarky Puppy song until we put our own personality on top of it. And I think we all have that feeling when we finish a take and it was like, yeah, that was good. Like we all played the song and it went well, but it didn't really have any like sparkle or magic or whatever. And then there's some takes that we finished where like, yeah, that was, there was something there, like that time that that guy did that thing or whatever. And then that guy did that thing because he did it. And then like we have that interaction. That's when it really becomes a good take for us. And, and like many aspects of Snarky Puppy's craft, the group's philosophy about charts was shared by its longtime mentor, Bernard Wright. To participate, because I said, man, if you just get rid of the charts and show them what's in the music, let them reinterpret it. The rest is history, so. Once we are able to understand the compositions uh, individually and as a group, 
they can really start to uh, come alive in their own way. Bob Lanzetti. I think we all can kind of feel when that switch happens. It's kind of like, it's hard to explain beforehand, but when we feel it, we kind of know. And then it, then it becomes like, then the song becomes alive and we can really play with it through improvising. So that, I mean, you know, it, I think it's different for each song. You know, some songs come together really quick, some take a few days. I would say like halfway through rehearsals, some of the things really started to come together in a way that felt special. And then at a certain point, it starts to really feel like Snarky Puppy. Mark Letiri. Tunes are very diverse, and you can hear all the composer's individual influences, which come from many different directions. Um, but it all feels like Snarky Puppy, and it's a really fun-sounding record. I think that's what I'm most excited about, is that there's just an element of joy and cool energy amongst the whole thing. All that's left is for Snarky Puppy to take the stage at Deep Ellum Art Company to bring Empire Central to life over a series of intimate performances. We'll discuss that on the final episode of Snarky Puppy Transmissions from Deep Ellum. Snarky Puppy, Transmissions from Deep Ellum, is produced by Eric Lenz and Jamie Margulies of Ground Up Music. Narrated by me, Alex Arif. Producers for Osiris Media, Kirsten Cluthy and Matt Dwyer. Audio production, Matt Dwyer. Developed with assistance from Brad Stratton. Written by Eric Renner-Brown. Artwork by Mark Dowd. Osiris. <laughs>